Inside Outside Innovation is the podcast that brings you the best and the brightest in the world of startups and innovation. I'm your host, Brian Ardinger, founder of InsideOutside.io, a provider of research, events, and consulting services that help innovators and entrepreneurs build better products, launch new ideas, and compete in a world of change and disruption. Each week, we'll give you a front row seat to the latest thinking, tools, tactics, and trends in collaborative innovation. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. I'm your host, Brian Ardinger, and I have Nicole Rafuku with Bonsai Hiring. Welcome to the show, Nicole. Thanks, Brian. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to have you on. You and I had a chance to spend some time together at the Inside Outside Innovation Summit back in mm-hmm. May, and your particular talk was really well received for a couple of different reasons. But to get our audience up to speed, let me tell a little bit of background about who you are, and then you can mm-hmm. add to that. You have written and are in the process of finalizing your book called Hiring for the Innovation Economy, Three Steps to Improve Performance and Diversity, and came out to the summit to talk about that, this whole concept of how do you hire for innovation in a, in a world that's changing in that? So why don't you tell the audience a little bit about kind of how you got into this space of innovation and hiring? And I know you have a product background in that. And uh, we'll go from there. You know, my path has been largely accidental. I'm always, I always admire people who are really strategic about the steps they take in their career. I haven't had that experience. <laughs> so I actually, I started out my career in like strategy and finance. And I started it at Microsoft, fell in love with product because I was kind of an embedded strategy person on the Windows product team. And, and from there, I just kind of started like building my expertise. I did some research and customer insights uh, at a digital ad agency here in New York. And so, you know, after that, I did a couple startups that were kind of successful, not as successful as I wanted them to be. But from that, I started thinking a lot about how to build products the smart way. Looking back at my, my startup experience, I was frustrated by the approach that people took, the approach that I took. And so I started reading up a lot and kind of experimenting with different ideas. So I launched with a group of friends, a startup called Light Matter. It was a consultancy called Light Matter, where we actually helped people get their products out into the marketplace as soon as possible, as quickly as possible, as cheaply as possible. And that's kind of where I started thinking about how to do innovation. I went on to an innovation studio called Neo after that, where they kind of had better answers to this question. And so I was able to learn a ton by working with large companies, small companies, startups, and really thinking about, you know, how do we, how do we innovate in a way that optimizes for learning and focused on testing and customer driven. And so Neo, that was an incredible experience. And, and Neo, as you know, was acquired. And after that, I went on to look for an in-house position. So I was really, you know, determined to find something where I could focus on a product long-term. And I was talking to a lot of startups that were kind of after series A, ready to scale. So I'm in New York and I talked to lots of influential entrepreneurs and, you know, successful startups and, you know, these brands that have a lot of like cachet in the market. So I was really pumped to get those interviews and those, those opportunities, but I was really disappointed by the interview process that I had at each and every company. And so that's when I started thinking, wow, this is a consistent problem. And it actually gave me a lot of uh, hesitation to join any of those startups because what I assumed was 
if I'm having a terrible experience with your interview process, right. there must be a lot of crap <laughs> behind <laughs> the scenes inside the culture, inside the, the business processes that I'm not seeing externally in the press, right? So right. because of that, I said no to those opportunities, but also because of that, I said yes to the possibility of kind of exploring this problem space. So I, so I dove into a ton of research and just read up on, you know, as much data as I could find on how to interview properly. Because the biggest question to me was, is there a right way to do this? I keep seeing people doing it the wrong way. I remember myself doing it the wrong way. Is there a right way to do it? And so I read, you know, a ton of research, both academic research, research from the field, lots of big consultancies, Deloitte, I think McKinsey and PwC have some research in this area. And so I came out of all of that thinking there is a right way to do this. And can I create a solution to help companies do it better? And that's kind of how I arrived at, at Bonsai. I love the fact that you kind of took your product development experience and customer discovery and everything you've learned from that and kind of apply that to a new take and new area of your life here. In that process, as you're helping other companies in that build out products and interview customers and that, what were some of the key things that you used to apply to this new area of research and, and topic that you wanted to dive into? So that's a good question. Yeah, you're right. I applied my like product background. And it's interesting when I think about any problem now, I apply my product background. <laughs> so I don't even know if I would have known how to approach this problem any other way. So when I work with companies today, I try to do two things. I try to give them a set of tools that they can easily and very quickly apply to their hiring process. But more broadly and more importantly, I try to you know, help them understand and embrace a set of principles that are innovation principles that need to be injected into their hiring process in order to update it, modernize it, but also make it relevant for the new economy. Those principles, and, and you'll recognize this from, from you know, any innovation conversation you've ever had, but the, the three principles I try to stress is collaboration, continuous improvement, and focusing on the user. Collaboration is really just me telling teams or trying to demonstrate the fact that hiring is essentially a team sport. Most people, it, even if they you know, hire with a team of interviewers, each doing their own rounds, et cetera, they don't really act as a team. They don't define their goals together. They don't collect data together. They don't think. And so collaboration is really important for updating this process and modernizing this process. And that happens from the very beginning when you, know, you first open up a role and you're trying to define what you're looking for all the way through the hiring decision. So what I stress is it's really important to create shared understanding for the team across the entire process at every single step. And that's something that's kind of baked into the tools that I provide for them. The second thing is continuous improvement. So I created the four-point scale. I actually, I don't care if you use the four-point scale. What's most important is that you make the hiring process measurable in some way, mm -hmm. right? So can you find places to collect data where you want to learn, where you want to improve? You know, that's, that's the second thing. The third point I try to stress is focusing on the user. The, the interesting thing is that, you know, we often look at job applicants as adversaries or as people who are 
less qualified just because they don't have or less smart than us because they just don't have the job yet. Right. Right, right, right. And the shift that I try to advocate for is that companies should think about job applicants as their most important customers. They're more important than your actual users. They're more important than your paying clients. They're more important than your shareholders. They're more important than any other stakeholder because they're the ones who are going to decide whether or not your business succeeds or fails. Why not think about their experience as the most important user experience you have to manage? And then once you do that, how can you improve that user experience so that everybody who touches your process, whether they're just submitting a resume, going through the process, and maybe not even getting hired, becomes a brand advocate. Because in the end, even if they aren't right for your team, they are in your space. And in this innovation economy, you probably are going to encounter them later on, whether you you partner with them, whether you sell to them. So we really want to pay attention to our hiring brand and start looking at job applicants as customers and not the reverse. Well, I really like the way you tackle this. All your points, it seems like a lot of companies throw hiring over the fence, like part of an right. HR job. And so yes. this idea of collaboration and bringing the entire team together, both for understanding what you're hiring for and why and making them part of the process is so key. Secondly, like you said, measuring and understanding what you're trying to get out of the hiring process and the people that you're trying to bring on. And then that idea of not only hiring right but driving that brand and being a customer advocate for people that touch your brand whether you hire them or not is is so critical i think and it's probably and correct me if i'm wrong or tell me what you're seeing in the marketplace but it seems like the companies the that really do well are able to take some of these principles and apply that as they scale so fast in the marketplace and that's where or they fall down because it's so hard right. to hire fast at scale we see these companies that start out really strong with these vibrant and rich cultures. Mm-hmm. And then as they begin to scale, that kind of falls apart. And the reason why they're falling apart is not because there aren't internal processes. It's because they're not hiring well. They're not creating process around it. They're not gathering data. They're not being smart about it. And it's really hard for small companies that are scaling is that when they first start out, they take so much care in the hiring process. Everybody interviews the job applicant. Right. And what starts to happen is that as hiring becomes something that the CEO gives to somebody else, then hiring becomes HR's job. And you know that's never really the truth. HR is there to support the hiring team, but the hiring team owns the hiring process. Why? Because they are going to have to deal with the results. Right. And it seems like there is like almost a magic number You know, at the early stages. You do have this ability to kind of hire folks that are one degree of separation or friends of the friends of the team, or you have, right. it's easier to find that first group of 10, 20 or whatever. But as soon as you get into that 20 plus kind of range, then you're sometimes having to go to other methods that are one or two degrees removed. And so you have to have that kind of process yeah. to bring it back, bring in the culture to make that happen. So tell me a little bit about the book that's coming out here soon, I believe. So it's called yeah. Hiring for Innovation Economy. Talk to the audience a little bit about the, what the book entails and what they could get, get out of it. The book is super short. It's part of Sense and Respond Press. And the goal with all of the books under that group is that these books are designed for really busy professionals and they're designed to be very actionable. And so this book is going to be, I think, about 100 pages, 
really easy, quick read. And the idea is that you are going to walk away with three tools that are going to help you transform your hiring process. And they're very straightforward. I primarily spend the majority of the book outlining those tools. And, you know, I give you a little bit of background about why these tools are important, why they work, some of the research. I spend some time kind of educating readers about bias and about some of the data that's been collected around bias in the hiring process. But Overall, it's really focused on three tools. One is called star mapping, and it helps teams better articulate what they're looking for in a job candidate. They do this exercise before they actually create a job description. And the magic behind star mapping is collaboration. Instead of a hiring manager, and I've done this before as a hiring manager, instead of a hiring manager getting a job opening and quickly jotting down or slapping together a job description, a lot of times we do that by reading competitors' job descriptions too and copying from those. Or just saying, hey, HR, can you like write up a draft and I'll approve it? So instead of that kind of haphazard approach, um, this is a process where you bring a diverse cross-functional team together that knows the role that you're going to be hiring for, that's going to be interacting with the person that you hire for that role. And you work together to figure out the nine attributes that you're looking for in that hire. And together, you kind of work through, you brainstorm, and then you prioritize together the nine most important roles, and you deprioritize the nine most important attributes, and you deprioritize the rest. And so those nine attributes, then, you can use to create the job description. You can use to help guide the recruiter in the recruiting process so they know exactly where to look where to search and how to search. And then you can also share it with the rest of the company. And the the great thing about the approach is that it kind of forces teams to find balance with the nine attributes. So three of those are hard skills, three are soft skills, and then three are focused on kind of adding dimension to the team, adding perspective to the team. So mm-hmm. that's usually where teams will add some diversity dimensions, but really it's about thinking about what your team is missing today and what a new person could add to it that would give you an advantage in the market would help you better understand your customers or create a better product. Well, I like that approach for a couple of different reasons. Mm -hmm. We briefly kind of touched on the diversity aspect, but I think a lot of people, obviously it's a hot topic and how do you get a more diverse workforce, but I don't think a lot of people think about the reasons why or tangibly pull out, like you mentioned, the kind of the benefits or the holes that you're trying to cover or fix in your overall strategy by looking right. at a diverse set of, of folks coming into that. Especially, I, I have a lot of experience with this from a product perspective. So mm-hmm. especially for small teams that are scaling a product, they're looking at expanding their base of users. Usually that means that you need to think more creatively about the needs of those users. And, you know, many times that means you want to bring somebody on your team that can think about a global perspective, maybe speaks another language or has experience in another vertical that you're trying to work with or grow into, maybe even, you know, regional, or maybe created a service for men that you also want to target towards women or market to women. And obviously then... (laughs) you might need a woman on your team. So I really, I challenge teams to really think about what is going to give them an advantage in the market and what are they missing now? What what perspective would add magic to to their performance? And honestly, that dimension category that we're talking about now 
that's where the stars are made. Lots of people have the same hard skills and people as they mature professionally will learn those soft skills, but you can't learn perspective. Right. And, you know, we can build empathy, but, you know, in the end, teams with a competitive edge see the market differently. So in addition to setting up the process, doing a lot of the hard work ahead of time, kind of understanding who you're trying to hire for and the roles and the, the skill sets and that, what else is about the hiring process has broken or what are the things have you seen that can kind of fix some of the, the problems that you've seen in the hiring yeah. process? Two other things that are super important. And these two things have a ton of research and decades of data behind them. One is structuring the interview process and interview questions. And what that means is that teams ahead of time define the questions they're going to ask job candidates, and then they ask every job candidate the same set of questions in the same order. And so that has been shown to cut bias in the hiring process by half. So that's super important. And the way that I approach it in Bonsai is that I actually have a process for teams to design questions together. Again, they're in a room together. They have the nine attributes, and then they think about the questions that are going to help them measure those attributes. That's one big area. And then the next thing is the way that you evaluate candidates needs to be a lot more like data-driven. And so after every question, uh, the interviewer should actually score the job candidate using some kind of scale. And the key to the scale is that ahead of time, the team has defined what each point on the scale means. So it's not just saying, oh, you know, this person did pretty well on this question. I'm going to give them a four out of five. But before that interview even happens, you and the rest of the hiring team have defined what four means and what you expect to hear at four. And so that's what makes that's actually called an anchored scale. So the anchor Mm -hmm. is the definition of each point of that scale. So If you structure your interview questions and then you also score candidates after every question using an anchored scale, that has been shown to bring bias in the interview process near zero. So that's really, really powerful. A lot of teams won't be able to implement that for various reasons. Some teams will score the interviewer right after the interview. And that's okay too. It's just not as effective. But I just always encourage teams to start somewhere. Start implementing some kind of scale. I advocate for a four-point scale so that people can't stay neutral. (laughs) And I provide like a template of how they could define a scale without having to redefine it over and over. But yes, those three tools, star mapping to define the nine attributes you're looking for, how to design structured interview questions with your team, and then also how to apply a four-point scale to your hiring decision. Those are the three areas where I spend a lot of time in the book. And they're flexible and they're fairly straightforward so that hopefully after a hiring manager reads the book, they can take even like a lightweight version from all three steps and implement it right away. They don't have to go in as deep as I'd like everybody to, there's a simple way to do every step of the process. Well, I love that because it's tangible and it's tactical. You know, I think a lot of people, the, the whole HR realm and hiring and, and talent, it seems to be a magic art. <laughs> it's like, well, how do I get the right. best person? And putting some structure around it and giving some advice in that, I think it's going to be very helpful for folks who want to pick it up. So if people want to find out a little bit more about yourself or about the book, what's the best way to do that? I am at Nicole Rufuku, N-I-C-O-L-E-R-U-F-U-K-U on Twitter. 
and you can email me, Nicole Refugio at Gmail, to, to get more information about the book, and I can add you to the list to get pre-orders. Excellent. And we'll post that in our show notes as well. Nicole, as always, I love talking to you. Keep us in mind as you produce new things and as new things happen in your life, keep us abreast of all that kind of stuff. Thanks again for being on Inside Outside Innovation and look forward to talking to you again. My pleasure. Thanks, Brian. That's it for another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. If you want to learn more about our team, our content, our services, check out insideoutside.io or follow us on Twitter at the IO Podcast or at Artinger. Until next time, go out and innovate.